are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, you can do so by heading over to Facebook, and there you can interact with me and other readers, listeners, and followers. Here is another review of the Mystical City of God podcast. This one comes from Terry Mays. This is such an amazing podcast. Father Looney does a great job of explaining after he is done reading it. Highly recommend listening to it. So excited for the next three volumes. This posted on March 13th, 2022. Rating and reviewing the podcast is one way that you can help share and spread the podcast through Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen on. Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her holy example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts, the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 150. We are reading from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 9, Paragraphs 462 to 467. 462. Thus, variously and wonderfully assisted, our travelers arrived at the town of Bethlehem at four o'clock on the fifth day, a Saturday. As it was at the time of the winter solstice, the sun was already sinking and night was falling. They entered the town and wandered through many streets in search of a lodging house or inn for staying overnight. They knocked at the doors of their acquaintances and near family relations, but they were admitted nowhere, and in many places they met with harsh words and insults. The most modest queen followed her spouse through the crowds of people while he went from house to house and from door to door. Although she knew that the hearts and the houses of men were to be closed to them, and although to expose her state at her age to the public gaze was more painful to her modesty than their failure to procure a night lodging, she nevertheless wished to obey St. Joseph and suffer this indignity and unmerited shame. While wandering through the streets, they passed the office of the public registry, and they inscribed their names and paid their fiscal tribute in order to comply with the edict and not to be obliged to return. They continued their search, 
betaking themselves to other houses. But having already applied at more than fifty different places, they found themselves rejected and sent away from them all. The heavenly spirits were filled with astonishment at these exalted mysteries of the Most High, which manifested the patience and meekness of his virgin mother, and the unfeeling hardness of men. At the same time, they blessed the Almighty in his works and hidden sacraments, since from that day on he began to exalt and honor poverty and humility among them. 463. It was nine o'clock at night when the most faithful Joseph, full of bitter and heart-rending sorrow, returned to his most prudent spouse and said, My sweetest lady, my heart is broken with sorrow at the thought of not only being able to shelter thee as thou deservest and as I desire, but not being able to offer thee even any kind of protection from the weather or a place of rest, a thing rarely or never denied to the most poor and despised in the world. No doubt heaven, in thus allowing the hearts of men to be unmoved, as to refuse us a night lodging, conceals some mystery. I now remember, lady, that outside the city walls there is a cave which serves as a shelter for shepherds and their flocks. Let us seek it out. Perhaps it is unoccupied, and we may then expect some assistance from heaven, since we receive none from men on earth. The most prudent virgin answered, My spouse and my master, let not thy kindest heart be afflicted, because the ardent wishes which the love of thy Lord excites in thee cannot be fulfilled. Since I bear him in my womb, let us, I beseech thee, give thanks for having disposed events in this way. The place of which thou speakest shall be most satisfactory to me. Let thy tears of sorrow be turned into tears of joy, and let us lovingly embrace poverty, which is the inestimable and precious treasure of my most holy Son. He came from heaven in order to seek it. Let us then afford him an occasion to practice it in the joy of our souls. Certainly I cannot be better delighted than to see thee procure it for me. Let us go gladly, wherever the Lord shall guide us. The holy angels accompanied the heavenly pair, brilliantly lighting up the way. And when they arrived at the city gate, they saw that the cave was forsaken and unoccupied. Full of heavenly consolation, they thanked the Lord for this favor. And then happened what I shall relate in the following chapter. Instruction which the Most Holy Mary, the Queen of Heaven, gave me. 464. My dearest daughter, if thou art of a meek and docile heart, these mysteries which thou hast written about and has understood, will stir within these sweet sentiments of love and affection toward the author of such great wonders. I wish that, bearing them in mind, thou, from this day on, embrace with new and great esteem the contempt and neglect of the world. And tell me, dearest, if, in exchange for this forgetfulness and scorn of the world, God look upon thee with eyes of sweetest love, why shouldst thou not buy so cheaply what is worth an infinite price? What can the world give thee, even when it esteems thee and exalts thee most? And what dost thou lose if thou despise it? Is its favors not all vanity and deceit? Psalm 4.3 Is it not all a fleeting and momentary shadow which eludes the grasp of those that haste after it? 
Hence, if thou hadst all worldly advantage in thy possession, what great feat would it be to despise it as of no value? Consider how little thou dost in rejecting all of it for the love of God, for mine and that of the holy angels. And if the world does not neglect thee as much as thou shouldst desire, do thou on thy own behalf despise it, in order to remain free and unhampered, to enjoy to the full extent the highest good with the plentitude of his most delightful love and intercourse. 465. My most holy son is such a faithful lover of souls that he has set me as the teacher and living example of the love and humility and true contempt of worldly vanity and pride. He ordained also for his own glory as well as for my sake that I, his servant and mother, should be left without shelter and be turned away by mortals, in order that afterwards his beloved souls might be so much the more readily induced to offer him a welcome, thus obliging him by an artifice of love to come and remain with them. He also sought destitution and poverty, not because he had any need of them for bringing the practice of virtues to the highest perfection, but in order to teach mortals the shortest and surest way of reaching the heights of divine love and union with God. 466. Thou knowest well, my dearest, that thou hast been incessantly instructed and exhorted by divine enlightenment to forget the terrestrial and visible and to gird thyself with fortitude. Proverbs 31.17 To raise thyself to the imitation of me, copying in thyself, according to thy capacity, the works and virtues manifested to thee in my life. This is the very first purpose of the knowledge which thou receivest in writing this history, for thou hast in me a perfect model, and by it thou canst arrange the converse and conduct of thy life in the same manner as I arranged mine in imitation of my sweetest son. The dread with which this command to imitate me has inspired thee as a being above thy strength, thou must moderate, and thou must encourage thyself by the words of my most holy Son in the Gospel of St. Matthew. Be ye perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew 5.48 This command of the Most High imposed upon his holy church is not impossible of fulfillment, and if his faithful children on their part dispose themselves properly, he will deny to none of them the grace of attaining this resemblance to the Heavenly Father. All this my Most Holy Son has merited for them, but the degrading forgetfulness and neglect of men hinder them from maturing within themselves the fruits of his redemption. 467. Of thee, particularly, I expect this perfection, and I invite thee to it by the sweet law of love which accompanies my instruction. Ponder and scrutinize with the divine light the obligation under which I place thee, and labor to correspond with it like a faithful and anxious child. Let no difficulty or hardship disturb thee, nor deter thee from any virtuous exercise, no matter how hard it may be. Nor be content with striving after the love of God and salvation of thyself alone. If thou wouldst be perfect in imitating me and fulfilling all that the gospel teaches, thou must work for the salvation of other souls and the exaltation of the holy name of my Son, making thyself an instrument in his powerful hands for the accomplishment of mighty works to advance his pleasure and glory. This concludes our reading today from Volume 2, Book 4, Chapter 9, Paragraphs 462 
to 467. As people who know the Christmas story so well, we know different aspects of it. We know that there was no room in the inn. And that's what we hear in today's reading. The search of St. Joseph for a place for Mary to be housed at night. They don't find an inn. They don't find relatives to stay with. But they remember, perhaps the Holy Spirit reminding them of this cave where the Christ child could be born. St. Joseph is a bit sorrowful over this. My sweetest lady, my heart is broken with sorrow at the thought of not being able to shelter thee as thou deservest and as I desire. He knows that it's God's will for him to be the protector of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the guardian of the Redeemer. He doesn't feel like he's protecting. He doesn't feel like he's guarding in this moment. But they are doing what they are able to do. And what they do is precisely the will of God. That is what Mary responds with. Let us go gladly wherever the Lord shall guide us. Mary and Joseph and Jesus, I will go where you go. And I will go where the Lord guides us. In this, we also see the poverty of the Holy Family, which it's important for us to realize Christ is born into the poverty of the human condition. And now, because of this, others in the world who are poor should be able to look at the life of Joseph and Mary and the Christ child and to have some sense of peace to know that the most perfect family also was poor, but yet so rich in the grace of God. In tomorrow's reading, we will actually be hearing about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Father Edward Looney, and I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow as we begin reading about the birth of Christ. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.